Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of... Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. It's been a while since we've had like an actual fancy voiceover. Yeah, I didn't have an obnoxious thing to deflect directly into, <laughs> so I figured I would just announce the title of the show. Awesome. I'm, I didn't mean to deprive you. Um, <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Thad. Oh, yeah, that's true. And my other co-host, Kara. Always. <laughs> and uh, today's episode, we're going to be it's another Antifa propaganda. Woo! And we're going to be looking at an HBO miniseries called Show Me a Hero. Yeah, good time. Yeah. Let's 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 get into some more like directly political stuff. Anything going on in the news that we can? Um, yeah, no, you know what? I heard of, like there was a kerfuffle at a house. Or yeah, something. it's all very. Uh, I mean, this by the time this comes out, I'm sure it will be like, well, we should all come together at the at the reasonable center. What's weird is he does <laughs> that, but then he also that? calls one of them Joseph Goebbels. So I'm like, I don't know which way. There's, a lot, there's a lot going on in public <laughs> discourse, friends. Um, so let's talk about how uh, the way we think of politics as a thing is maybe toxic and drives people to destruction. <laughs> so Show Me a Hero is about a lot of things, but it's um, produced by David Simon and written by David Simon and William F. Uh, Zoysi. Really? Direct- Who's it directed by? And do we know them from anything else? <laughs> it's directed yeah. by Paul Haggis, who directed Crash. And also you might know him from another show called Walker, Texas Ranger. In the eyes of a ranger. But that's I will, a, I will that's say a, an arc. <laughs> Not really so much an arc as like like a like like an acute angle. So I told you guys going in, this was directed by Hagus. Well, you were all shocked by like how good and nuanced it was. Well, the thing was, I knew by the time we started watching it that Kara had forgotten that fact. <laughs> so I waited until we were about halfway through to remind her. <laughs> And she was shaken. Yeah. I think color drained out of her face. I, I, I feel like we've gone into this before about how much you hate Crash. I promise I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna go on a rant. I hate Crash so much. I we had to watch it when it came out. Like came out like what? Like what was that? Two thousand four, I think. Two thousand four. Like yeah. So I had to watch it for one of my college classes. I'd already seen it, and so I had to watch it again. And I hated it. And I remember in class, like, don't you think this is, like, great? And I'm like, no. (laughs) I think that it's extremely sexist and features an on-screen rape that we forgive someone for and then, like, humiliate a white woman way more than her equally racist husband who actually has power. Why and someone and someone I remember being like I'm very troubled by the on-screen rape and uh, someone's like Kara not everything can be about sexism I'm like but this is <laughs> but some things can it especially is. when they are yeah that's a that was man that's an expert level deflection there well not <laughs> everything can be about technically that's true but you know what <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, there's a Ben Mankiewicz made a po- uh, made a point. He was talking about um, talking about Show Me Hero. It's like, you know, if Crash hadn't won for Best Picture, would anyone even remember it? No, no. Right, and it's one of the things. Where, like, if it hadn't got all the Oscar buzz, it would just been swept away and be like, oh yeah, remember that weird movie that came out that had everybody yeah, in it? Crash, Crash is the indictment of the Oscars. <laughs> like, it's. <laughs> Every time Oscar's discourse comes up out there in the digital ether, 
crash will be invoked as what it is a monument to the mediocrity of people patting them of, of specifically white people patting themselves on the back for defeating racism. Uh, <laughs> so now that we've talked about crash. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. That'll be the last time that happens. Well, no, I think also it's important to bring it up because show yeah. me a hero is a six hour miniseries. Mm-hmm. And if you imagine it crunched into maybe a two hour movie, mm-hmm. it's horrible. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Oh, and this is what I think in like in terms of like when miniseries is like I we've talked about this before in terms of like how everyone seems to think you have to either make it a movie or a television show. Yeah. But a miniseries is God, like a short love story. Love a miniseries. It's a shame that we're like in a resurgence of a lot of um, like from what actually, I hear mediocre miniseries because I've heard right. nothing but shit I about like the same argument. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay, a miniseries is not a short story. Is that as its own genre that has its own accessibility? I would say it's a novella. Novella, the yes. Bastard of the form. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you, hundred percent. But you can do more in a miniseries in a way, and they yeah. can be longer, so you can explore more aspects of an idea than you can with just a two-hour movie. And you know what's great well, about a miniseries? It what? forces it to be finite. Yeah, there it is. Must end. It ends. <laughs> like that's that's I I get in this uh, to to be a, a weird tangent, but I get in this about anime a lot as well. Like aside from the quality of uh, both the the translation and also just the original soundtrack, one of the other reasons Cowboy Bebop is my favorite anime is that it is a complete story that ends. <laughs> like that's and like that we're we're in such a like. All this golden age of television stuff is all well and good when people talk about that stuff. But but look what happened when uh, the uh, dragon show that I'd never watched but everybody loved. Oh, Iron Fist. No, not the Marvel oh. one. The, the HBO fantasy one, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, oh, yeah, Game of Thrones. Thank you. Couldn't remember the title. <laughs> uh, I never watched it. I don't know. Neither did I. Uh, <laughs> fingers on the pulse, us two. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, that's the that's the thing with Game of Thrones is it was also like a it was also based on a book series that it was outpacing, which is always dangerous. But like, I just I having a hard limit is something that I find increasingly important <laughs> in media. I would actually love the Marvel Cinematic Universe more if it had a concrete plan for how it was actually going to overall end. Right. Well, that's the other thing, actually, about the, the Marvel miniseries on Netflix. The reason Ugh. the first seasons are so good is they were written to be tight. Usually. And end, usually be tight <laughs> and end. And I'm thinking specifically about... Um, First season of uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Punisher, and Luke Cage, especially the first season of The Punisher, were all really good. And at the very end, they shoehorned in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for those who don't know, the reason why every TV show has to end the season on a ridiculous cliffhanger is because of the show Dallas. Yeah, and who did? Dallas is responsible for a lot. <laughs> both, the ci- both the city and the soap opera have a lot to pay for. They I will say, sorry, go ahead, Kara. No, just they didn't. They didn't used to do that. It used to genuinely yeah. be like, oh, hey, uh, the season's over, so we're just gonna stop t- talking for a while, and then we'll start again. It didn't always have to be this drama. I, and a miniseries forces you to think out all the plot lines ahead of time, and then end it and weave them. I will say one of my proudest, well, not proudest, but one of the things I enjoyed the most in my Joker review, I got to reference Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, it worked in Dallas. It doesn't work here. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, but back to Show Me Hero. It's based oh, on yeah. a book by Lisa Belkin, by the same name, came out in the 90s. And it's uh, take place in the uh, late 80s. Well, it takes place over actually a series yeah, of time. Yeah, across the late 80s to the early 90s. Yes, but it doesn't, the actual story itself never really ends until 2007. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a story about reality, so it's right. still going on in some stripe or other. Um, but, Kara, do you want to give us an overview or show me here? Yes. So I'm going to give a very brief overview because it's six episodes long, and we're not going to go over all of them. We don't really want to talk about six hours of television descriptively. <laughs> But essentially, um, you know, it's crazy that I'm good with some names, but with others, it's uh, Nick Wasisco. So Nick Wasisco is a 28-year-old up-and-coming um, Democratic politician in the city of Yonkers. And the city is having an issue where they have been court-ordered to build accessible, affordable housing. Yonkers is very white, and accessible, affordable housing is going to be very black. And it's caused this divisive issue. So kind of running on trying to, on saying that he'll fight the housing gets him elected as mayor. Then he's elected as mayor, realizes that A, he really shouldn't, B, he really can't. And so he tries to instead finesse it to make it more workable, which ultimately costs him the rerun. And then it's all of the political, it's not a a machination sort of thing, but it's all of the political fallout and all the things that happened to him and his career and then it also follows several stories of people that live in the housing projects i don't like that word i don't know a better word to use in the public housing that currently exists in other areas of new york and their stories as they try to struggle with poverty and racism and illness in their own lives um living in these really rundown homes And it slowly begins to weave together as sort of Nick struggles to maintain relevancy as his political career gets more and more torn apart by this housing controversy. And as these people's lives go on, ultimately ending in spoilers, the houses are built in one neighborhood and several people move in. Um, They have some racist incidents, but also some of the anti-housing people manage to come over and embrace this new community. And Nick, after the collapse of his political ambitions, warring with his own friends and his own party, fighting with his wife, finally realizes he's kind of at the end of the road and facing truly being on the outside of politics for the first time in eight years, commits suicide. And this is a real story. This is what really happened. Mm. All of these people. It's all based on true stories. Um, there is there is one thing on that is is there are multiple people that we see um, living in the public housing option. We see a young woman from the Dominican Republic who's a single mom with three kids trying to decide if she wants to live here in the DR where her kids are going to be. Uh, a young woman named Billy struggling with her in and out of prison, uh, husband, fiance, father of her children as they meet, get pregnant. Um, it takes place over like eight years, I think. Six, yeah. six I'm sorry. That's fine. And then, um, so it's Carmen Billy. We see uh, an older black woman who's going blind. We meet a Jewish lawyer. We meet uh, uh, um, a black community leader who's trying to make this project workable. 
We meet uh, a woman who opposed the project on the grounds that it will encourage negative elements in her community, slowly begin to realize that she's on the side of the Nazis and that she wants to be pulled away from that. <laughs> it, it, it has a lot, a lot of stories that are all going through it that are, it's kind of difficult to explain. Yeah. Well, like the, the, it's, it's very much framed around uh, Oscar Isaacs playing Nick with Cisco, but mm-hmm. it is, it, because it is a story about reality, it is not about him. Right. In a lot of ways. Uh, I, honestly, I would say one of the other, like the, the, what, the biggest reflection of his character, uh, like another character that's so, sort of reflecting on what he's doing is, is, uh, is it Keen, uh, who's it Keener's playing? Uh, is it? Oh, Keena? Yeah. Uh, she plays, well, God, um, I know her last name is Dorman, but the, the, yeah. I forget the first name. But essentially, the the woman that that Mary uh, Dorman, yeah, Mary yeah. Dorman, the, the woman that Kara was just talking about, who started out as you know, we don't want our property values to go down or these people to bring crime and like all of those very like couched phrases, but like seeming as as far as like you know, not presented as an overt like Nazi, but very much saying those things that imply that you know anyone who is in public housing is lesser and dangerous and can't be allowed and all of this stuff and like this is something that that i was uh, sort of fascinated by because i i i think that um her character like we the audience like she is more the audience surrogate character than nick is Mm mm-hmm Nick yeah. uh, Nick is there to like we see how he essentially accidentally ends up on the like writing the the current against housing into office but like he did that through a technicality uh because like he he was supporting an appeal he was like no no we're we're waiting on this appeal the appeal is what's right we got to wait for the courts to decide and then when the courts decided he upheld the law and you know people were mad about that it's weird how that happens uh, <laughs> I, I can't think of any parallels of like uh it's honestly i'm not gonna couch i'm not gonna to, to, to be sarcastic about this it is wild to watch this series right now <laughs> yeah. and see the shouting angry entitled white people talking about like how like re- screw you know these these judges are are destroying our our communities here and how dare they like blah, blah, blah. yeah there's oof there, well, not it, a, that and hanks malone played by elfa molina oh my god um, molina who is without trying to be is very trumpian yeah, and Alfred, that, you clearly see he doesn't care about the yeah. job. He Alfred, just likes the, as they've talked about in a couple episodes, the addictiveness of being in the circle. Yeah, that is one of the things that is established in the first episode is the addictiveness of politics, and that because when um uh Vinny, yeah, yeah, Winona Ryder's character Vinny, uh, she's on the city council at the beginning of the series and is voted out uh, in I think the first episode. Uh, yeah. is, yep. is part of the, the setup. Out. Yeah, she, uh, yay, gerrymandering. God, this is such a watch this series. That's my bottom line. If you're looking for a bottom line and don't want to hear us uh, like, just go back and forth forever, uh, watch this series. It's great. Uh, but yeah, like she she talks about that addictiveness, and then she comes back later, and the as the addictiveness is, it takes its final tolls on uh, anything that was like. <laughs> anything that seemed heroic and uh great about nick as a person by the end um but uh i don't i don't remember where i started that uh thing i was but yeah i feel uh, uh mary dorman played by katherine keener is uh like just 
she is treated, uh, especially in the later part of the series, where there is a uh, a character named uh, Bob Mayhawk. Oh, Bob uh, Mayhawk, I love Clark Peters, yeah. love him. Yeah, my favorite character in this series, I think, because <laughs> uh, like from a perspective of someone who's who's been an educator, if uh, briefly. Like he holds a position of knowing because he, he uh, those who, who haven't seen this, those who haven't seen the series, his role later on is to to help prepare and facilitate the folks who are going to be moving into these new townhouse units on the east side of Yonkers uh, that you know all these these white people have he's been wanting older, not to have there. He's a black activist. He's an older black activist yeah. who is an old hand at this. Like he's done this for years. The series actually opens up with him talking to. My new husband, John Barenthal. Oh, that's uh, someone different. Oop. Oh, that's someone different? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, but he's, uh, oh God, what's his name again? Clark Peters, uh, uh, Robert Mayhawk. Yeah. Mayhawk. Um, but Robert Mayhawk's a, a, an older an older black man, an older black activist. And what his goal is, is he's like, I want my black community members to form a community and be successful in this endeavor and so it's um like the the people who are on hud and the city council and stuff like that who are trying to make this project happen are like we need someone who can speak to the people on a personal level yeah like on an even playing field not like yeah and it is going to be awful for us to try to tell these people how to live their lives we need somebody who understands what their needs are and can like sort of be like this uh translator really i would go with facilitator and sort of a shield from like the 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 passive white racism that these people have to deal with as they try to move into their new homes. Yeah. Well, like towards the end, one of them even uh, complains to me. It's like we all lie because yeah. you give us rules that treat us like children. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know, like those those final episodes where everything was like the the sort of uh, the housing developments were built and people were moving in and like uh, and Mayhawk came in where maybe some of like honestly yeah. just spectacularly showing the the kind of real interpersonal work that needs to be done and that is very difficult to do because not a lot of people like the, one of the things I love about Mayhawk and I want to find out more about that dude just in reality is like to me that's one of those things that's so important is being able to understand institutional like bureaucracy and also understand people and what like what they need right. and like how to to survive these systems and uh i don't know it's just i was really i was really taken by both his performance and by what that person in real life was doing well like towards the end like you see he's kind of on the sides during some of the meetings talking to one of the other um yeah uh uh council members and he's like yeah no they need to do this because this facilitates this and this helps this but then like when he's talking to mary and it's like okay we're done Mm. she's like we can't be done. We have more work to do. And he says a line that oh, if this so was good. a two hour movie, it would have been cheesy. But because we have so much build up, the yeah. line, Miss Dorman, you're a good neighbor, has more weight to it because you understand, A, what he means by a good neighbor, mm. and you understand how far Mary has come. Yeah. Because she went from being this. Mary's arc is, is great because um, Mary doesn't stop being so racist because she has this necessarily because she has this eye-opening moment about blackness necessarily Mm. but she there's this great moment with her so she has strongly objected to the housing and she's really angry about it and really worried and really upset and she says it very repeatedly 
And she also hears somebody talking about how like it was a Jewish conspiracy and she <laughs> doesn't engage with that. And she shuts that down. Like she's a very sort of uh, where she is, is kind uh, she, people are boycotting the church because the church offered the Catholic church because the church offered to um, give some land to build the housing. And she's like, I'm not going to stop tithing to the church. Like, Right. The housing and the religion are, like she has principles hmm. and uh, she finally has this breaking moment where she tells her husband she's like so we voted for we voted out the old mayor and voted in nick to stop the housing project and that didn't happen so we voted in the next guy and that didn't happen so we voted in this guy and that didn't happen she's like why am i doing this over and over and over again she looks at her and she's like what am i expecting to get out of this and then that's when um, the other uh, God, what's his name again? Hawk. That's not right. Mayhawk. 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 Thank you. And that's when uh, Mayhawk is looking for people like her, people who have issues with the housing but aren't virulent racists. And he pulls her in to help organize the tenants in the new housing in the local community, and gives her this doorway into seeing these people as people and to fulfill her principles of like a strong community so that moment at the end where he's like you're a good neighbor she has evolved from this person who is screaming at the mayor that his dead father would be ashamed of him for allowing black housing in the neighborhood to a woman sitting in the black public housing talking to the people there and telling them that she was going to tell the white neighbors to stop staring at them and being weirdos (laughs) yeah it's it's a good moment yeah it's it's a a, yeah great character arc well and also like when he takes um, takes them to Schlobum, which is the projects, yeah, to see how they are living. And before that, we have a scene with Peter Wiegert's Oscar Newman, who is the guy who designed the public housing. Yeah, and you I can also, you can also get, find like a bunch of his writings on the HUD website that are very interesting. I like the fact that we understand that they allow him to tell you why he's building it like this and what's the matter with the how public housing has been done up until this point. And then when we see them go, what Mary sees and what we see is, oh yeah, this is built like a prison. Mm. This isn't well, built like, like a home or a community, but yet once you go inside, it's completely different. Well, also just like there's there's a thing about how white people look at predominantly black or brown or or just otherwise like people of color spaces. Right. That is so epitomized by the way that uh, what was it? Uh, Molina's character Spallone. Yeah. The, the way that they were photo- the way that they were photographing these uh, o- these older style housing projects to scare the white people and like you see children playing and like just like there's these like two young boys that are just sort of like chasing each other around but they take a snapshot at this moment that looks like a like uh their fist fight like they're they're fighting they're outside fighting, right? they're clearly they're clearly playing power rangers like emotionally, i'm like <laughs> too, i recognize too early, that. Too early care. they're playing yeah. gi joe yeah, so they're 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 play fighting that they're like ninjas or something, and it takes it right at the exact wrong, mo- not the exact wrong, one, but they're doing it purposefully. Yeah. Right. I also want to add that so when we're looking at like the projects and we're looking at this, there are very few scenes that involve violence, and very few scenes that involve um, any sort of castigating of these like poor communities. Right. This is this is what is. And the people who are focused on are people who are like, I'm really poor and my apartment's falling apart and I don't know what to do. Um, one of the one of the women that we follow. Oh, gosh, what's her name? Is it Donna Doreen? Uh, Doreen's story is 
incredibly sad because Doreen is a young black woman and she gets married and she has a baby and she's living her life right and her husband dies. He just, yeah, just dies. Has, dies of an asthma attack. Like Which is something that really actually affects a lot of black men in the black community is respiratory illnesses because of pollution. And she falls down this path into addiction and then she comes out of it. And it's not this gross thing where we see the worst throes of addiction. We just realize that she has an addiction. She's not taking care of herself. She hits a lo- kind of a low point, And then we see her come back. Her addiction rise and fall takes place over the pl- course of a few minutes in episodes. It's not to fetishize her pain, right. but to shine on her strength. I, I, that's why I think about this is this is not the camera gazing on the filthiness of these poor animal people. It's like, yeah, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes like they're, they're not caricatures. They, they, right. they take the time to draw these real people as the real people they are. Which is why we, I brought up Crash in the beginning because. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Crash can only caricature. Right. And, but then you see how Haggis fames uh, the drug deals and he doesn't fame them as salacious or even criminal. Yeah, as actors, this is a nine to five job because these are this is where I can get to get the money. Yeah, and the There's, cops because it's also a David Simon project. The cops are the cops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the camera in this is very naturalistic in the way that it looks at people. Not in like a cinema verita kind of way, right. but like there the the kind of gaze uh, that you see in like well, Crash is a great example. Uh, but like there was a moment. And it's like, it's an HBO series, but you don't see, like, nothing's, like, violenced and sexed up. The one thing that stuck out to me is something you get to do on HBO is in one of the late episodes, um, uh, Nick and his wife are are laying in bed, and she's not wearing a shirt or a bra, but she has, like, the blanket up for the most part. But when she turns around, you, like, you just see a little bit of her bare chest and it's not in a sexual way. It's just a thing that's like, Oh, what? Like the, the reason that stuck out to me is I so rarely see people in a bed in a movie or a TV show allowed to just have bodies that are not prepared, that are not like put out there like a cutlet, but are just there. Like you are with the, like another person. Right, and uh, it was especially considering the fucking crash, uh, <laughs> like seeing that level of just we're just being with these people was really striking. It's a really good series, y'all. Um, I really love the dialogue. Mm. Uh, mm, like little yeah. things, like to be poor in the DR was not a crime. Dominican yeah. uh, Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think one of my favorite lines is, hold on, let's see if I can find it. Um, like, after they lose the appeal with Cisco, I was like, what if we, like, go after the fuck, fuck the lawyers? What if we go after... <laughs> you don't and, fuck the lawyers. And the guy goes, what's wrong with you? Fuck the lawyers? The lawyers only fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. That's a good Nick, line. Uh, Nick's character, Oscar Isaac. So, Oscar Isaac is so incredibly charming. And what I really love about his portrayal of Nick is, is, first of all, Isaac, I'm not sure how tall he is, but he's on the shorter end of a movie star man. Yes, but he always feels like he's much more bigger than he is. Hmm. But also, the camera doesn't try to frame him as being secretly six and a half feet tall. Right. Like, he's clearly shorter than the people he's around. He stretches to grab things. It's just he, he feels like a real person, and he's very charming. Hmm. And as the show goes on, like at various points, he makes sort of like little interpersonal 
mistakes that he's allowed to make. And so Nick, even in his sort of self-destructive moments, he's trying to play these political games with the mayor. Who he, he, someone else is the mayor. He's an alderman. And he feels the mayor is ignoring him. He tries to play his political game to like get the mayor's goat, and he gets his wife fired from her job. And it's just this moment of defeat where he realizes that he's not as clever as he thought he was, and he's hurt the person he's with, and he doesn't really know his way out. And so I think that Oscar Isaac was a perfect casting because it's somebody who's kind of troubled and kind of too much toots his own horn. Right. But at the same time is also like very funny and personable. Like he's so funny. Nick is so funny and so charming. But he also like he was elected mayor saying that he would um he would pursue the he would pursue the appeal. appeal for right. housing. And then when like that was clearly not going to happen, all they were going to do is waste millions of dollars to these monies. Like, okay, I'm going to lean in to making this affordable housing the best it can be. And as the series goes on, he begins to sort of mythologize that as he's kind of a, a hero, which I'm not sure he was. Yeah, he's a honest. hero to himself more than anyone else. Well, there's that. And also there's an old saying that politics uh, and politics courage is acknowledging the reality. Hmm. Yeah. And that's what he does, because it's not so much that he's going to be wasting millions of dollars. It's the city is going to be fined yeah. millions of dollars. Like they will go into bankruptcy if they don't start the proceedings. Yeah. The thing and, is, he also doesn't want to follow up with the appeal, because he could try right. to do more and more with the appeals. But he's like, all it's going to do is cause, even if I can get the fines and stuff removed, we are going to have to build this. There yeah, is no there's, way there's no way around this. So he acknowledges this has to happen. Whether yeah. I like it or not, we have to do this. Yeah. And so in that way, I guess. But it does. It, I agree with Kara. He doesn't seem like a hero mm-hmm. because he's not. He even admits he fed into that racism. Yeah, he hundred percent, and that's that's such an important point because without that, uh, I would have like it would there'd be such a big hole in taking his character seriously. Right. The, the the fact that a lot of the objections to public housing is based in like virulent racism is I don't want to say it's subtle, but it's not explicitly said. People well, say things to the side. They say anti-Semitic things. They have weird signs. That they talk around a lot. They say a lot's not about race. And then Oscar Isaac is the the one character. He's he's watching someone else get elected or on TV, and he sits and he's looking. He's like, I am the one that fed into this racism. All they care about is, and he uses like several slurs to be like, and I fed into the attitude that uses these kinds of slurs against people i'm not going to say those words yeah no but the <laughs> yeah. is yeah because he's more dangerous you will never hear jack o'toole utter a racist phrase yeah guys like that learn how not to say the bad words yeah, yeah. and that is wow that's <laughs> and, well, was this made moment. this week is that when this was released well, initially? Even then, like jack o'toole like who may is working with at one point they're like the they're in a parade and they have like uh, the judges and lawyers and effigy being hung, being lynched yep. Yep. as they march past a housing site. And Mary even goes, what are we even doing here? The houses are being built. There's nothing we can do here. It's done. And, it's, yeah. and, and like, and J- like Jack, his response to her is that we have to, you know, show them. It's like, who are, who are you showing? And then it, like later on, it's like, uh, where were you? You missed the protest at the um, affordable housing. It's like, that's different than public housing, Jack. You have to be able to afford rent. I have no problem with that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's it, it like her trajectory is a fascinating journey of watching. He, 
one of those things about how the very real, very powerful current of racism in America functions is it's that Southern strategy stuff, right? Like, we're going to talk about property values. We're going to talk about schools. We're going to talk about culture and all of those things. And there are a variety of people doing that. Some of them, like if we take Mary's character at the, the sort of face value that we're given, don't think she like she does not think she's being racist holding those views. Right. Because they were not delivered to her in a racist package and she took them seriously. That doesn't make that doesn't make her right about that, but that is true about her. And that well, is well, there's like that spectrum of uh like I don't know, white racism in America where like you you're the people who are sort of true believers in not being racists and the ways that that can actually be used to de-radicalize them toward being more productive, like members of society, I guess is kind of fascinating. It's essentially what, what uh, Mayhawk does is what he sees in her and appeals to is that he's like, you have an ideological belief in the community and the the importance of community and neighborhood. And you have been radicalized by, like, he doesn't say this, but she's been radicalized by fear. And he's like, if I can take her ideological belief and I can make her work for the project, she will follow through on it and care about it because that's what she underneath it. She is a little racist. She is scared of black people. But her ideology matters more to her than anything else of community. Hmm. And if I can get her to buy into that, then I can get her to buy into this housing. And he does. And buy into the people who live there. He even shows up to her house to introduce himself. Yeah. And he knows that she has a perception of how black people are because she's been on television. He he understands how white people think. Well, at least white people in Yonkers think about uh, black people. And so he goes in and he very consciously shows her shows himself to be a good guest yeah but he also uses her own social beliefs like not against her but he he, walks he understands in. what those social beliefs are right no but like he knocks at the door and he says may i come in of course she has to invite him in right and then he makes a gesture like are you going to bring me in as a guest and she has to invite him in as a guest and she has to give him tea and coffee yeah, there's and a lot so of little he, performative gestures that are very <laughs> very well put up and so he's not he's not putting her in a place where she's afraid she's uncomfortable because he's black but he's sort of pushing her into being like you say that you're a good person you believe in these things now you have to pay the piper are you going to be more worried about the fact that i'm black or the fact that i haven't done anything to you and you have to treat me like a guest and so like that's almost like a little test of her like she ultimately yields and brings him in and gets him coffee and then that's when he invites you know asks her to be part of this um tenant advocacy group kind of yeah and like she oh sorry go ahead one of the things, again, what I was really sort of shocked by is when they do the tour of Schlobom with mm. the people who were against the housing. Again, Paul Haggis, it might have been David Simon's decision, but they use um, hip hop as yeah. the soundtrack, whereas everything else has been Springsteen when they've been in the Yonkers. I was going to, I was actually going to accuse, oh, dang, that's the joke I should have opened on. I was, I was going to <laughs> accuse you of like, did you find this because you, you, you found it naturalistically or were you just Googling things with a Springsteen soundtrack? Jacuse, well, Jeremiah, jacuse. I will say that when I watched the What the Flick review of this and they mentioned it had a Springsteen soundtrack. Bump up the list. I bumped up the list pretty quick. <laughs> But yeah, no that that is a that is a really strike. Yeah, that's such a great shift, man. I also and like, it's not and it's done like in the same way as you would normally see like oh and this is the very like pivotal movie moment, but mm-hmm. they just switched 
squish the sound. Yeah, sorry, Kara, what were you? Oh, no, no, just uh, the, the scene. So they have, like, essentially he's done, he's got this sort of, like, white community support group of trying to, like, get the local neighborhood to accept these tenants. And they're going to interview the people who have applied to move into the new buildings. And so, like, his goal in sending these women there, because they're all women, of course, is, first of all, like, meet these people as people, but also see why they're trying to leave this space. And it's 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 very... It's like it's see them at, see them as people and like meet them yeah just look them in the eye be guests in their homes and talk to them and like one of the things they they talk about is like oh like um they don't take care of their homes don't take care of their property and then we see the uh, public housing guy to be like the reason people don't take care of their properties in a lot of these facilities is because there's public areas that no one is responsible for. And those are the areas that get destroyed. So if you have none of those areas and people don't have to walk through these dark prison hallways, you're not going to have the problems that are caused by dark prison hallways. And you see the mo- like a certain moment in her eyes when she goes into someone's apartment and it's, you know, worn down, but it's clean and it's well decorated and there are kids and their toys. And she's like, Oh, that hallway is not how this person lives. Right. That hmm. hallway is where the 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 obnoxious people in the building go to be obnoxious this is a safe space from that and that's why they want to move it's a a home out of the place yeah well and then like we have some people like doreen Mm. who becomes who gets on the tenants rights board at shlobom yeah and soon figures out that all politics is so local that it's local (laughs) in apartment 364 whatever it's like yelling about her bathtub yeah 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 but like when she moves to the public housing, like she doesn't want to do it again, but like you kind of have to. Yeah. Cause like when you have that experience, like you become someone who can help other people. Right. And also uh, like she realizes, Oh, okay. So like this board exists to actually make sure we try to get this done. This is not just something you sit on. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's such a fascinating juxtaposition between like procedural public in the newspaper, like holding a gavel politics and the politics of living life day to day and try and like trying to facilitate just human existence in areas with people. Well, even the first part even shows you like, there's a bit of a sort of, I don't want to say Republican democratic debate, but like mm-hmm. there is a constant like, well, if the judge wants to build the houses, why won't he pick the sites? And they never say it, but it's like, because that the judge believes that would be an overreach. Yeah. Like he can make you do it, but he can't go do that there because what precedent does that set? Yeah. Because so much of, so much of those arguments aren't about right or wrong. It's about, I don't want to be seen doing this. I don't want to be painted with doing this. Right. And that's even, that even builds up to the last thing that really like pushes Nick over the edge at the end is not wanting to be seen as corrupt by an investigation that he knows isn't going to show anything, but he right. also knows or at least fears terribly that it won't matter and that it'll just be another inescapable thing. Just like, yeah, it's a, uh, really uh yeah just excellent um i, I want to touch on one thing Kara's gonna love because mm. she's mentioned it briefly but every time i watch this i always forget that's john brenthal yeah <laughs> oh he looks so different he looks so different he it's, didn't know <laughs> like i was yeah okay so um i love uh john barenthal's punisher and i've seen a few other things and so in this movie he's grown out his hair and it's kind of curly 
He's and very skinny. He's very skinny, and he's wearing glasses. Well, and well I was... he's presented as skinny. You do see a little bit of that, like, under what he's got under that suit. Uh... He's a boxer. Like, there's only, yeah. But he, he's kind of, like, a tall, kind of, they, they present him as, like, the way they cut his clothes and the way he holds himself. He's kind of tall, weedy-looking guy. And I was staring at him, and I'm like, what? I know that face. I know, like, it was eating away at me. And Thad's like, do you know who that is? I'm like, and as soon as he's like, do you know that? I'm like, Barenthal. And he's like, Barenthal. I love John Barenthal. <laughs> and he does such a great job. He's just this, like, he's just this civil rights lawyer uh, who is, like, a, a he's a Jewish lawyer working in, in like, uh, on a case involving public housing. Like, he knows and is one of the characters who's very willing to point out how racist all this shit is. <laughs> he almost has, like, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Oh, very much. Like, he's aggressive. He's, like, angry about it. And so a lot of the people that are trying to be like, look, you know, we have to try to sort of work this in because uh, the public housing guy and some of the other people who want this to happen are like a little bit gentler with handling this. Hmm. And he's like, no, like make them eat it, like shove it down their throat and make them eat it. They're going to have public housing and they're going to like it. And yeah. he, he's angry, which I really like. There should be well, more. I think, I don't know if we've mentioned this. The reason why they have to take the public housing is because Yonkas has been found by a federal court. Yeah. They were segregating have, all of it. Yeah. Be segregating like the housing. Town. So and this is like basically integration in the eighties. Yeah. Like li- in a very literal mathematical sense, integration. Like the the way that the uh, uh, what is it? Is it Newman? Oscar Newman, I think. Oscar the, Newman, Peter Lucas character, who I, was my second favorite, who I want to see more of because yeah. So so such a fat. Like that's why I immediately like I found uh, just a, a a whole like either a long paper or a short book of his about like the defensible space theory. That is what like the the theory behind the way these Yonkers uh, uh, housing is housing is built. Um, and yeah, like just the, it's, it's I, man, like, it, it, yeah, it, it, this, this is a move, not a movie. This is a mini series that may be incredibly interested in reading about like philosophy of building like public living spaces. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it actually made me want to do? What? Uh, go and read, um, oh God, the, the Robert Moses book. I'm bad with names. No, Robert. no, no. You know who Robert the, the the guy that built New York? Oh, yeah, I, I think I know the book you mean, but I forget the title as well. Um, the Power Broker. Yeah. Okay. Um, but just just about the way that like space and property and whiteness and yeah, essentially Yonkers is segregated and they have been ordered they have to desegregate and what's what's interesting is that the the white people don't like to use that term but like mm. whenever the black people talk about it because they don't really talk about it very much whenever the black people talk about it themselves like they're very like oh they're very much real oh yeah we are segregated it is <laughs> segregation do you want to be the one that breaks the cult like like uh one of the ladies um is uh, she's talking to her friend. Her friend's like, you should go and apply for one of those new townhomes on the other side of town. Like, it's nice. It's clean. You're going blind. You need better care. Uh, we can't get a home health care into the projects. And she's like, I don't want to go and live with the white people who don't want me there. Mm. Like, I'm not here for that. And so, like, the black people are very well aware that this is racial segregation and that this is integration. It's the white people who are in denial about that's what it is. Yeah, that is uh, Norma. Is that the character's Norma, name? Norma, yes. Uh, played you. by uh, Latanya Richardson-Jackson, and she is just incredibly charming. Everyone, so, Every scene with her <laughs> is just great. 
So Show Me Hero is one of those things where like it has such a massive sprawling cast. Yeah. And it's just filled with people that you love to see. It's like reading a Russian novel about America. Yeah. Well, because, okay, so when Jim Belushi first shows up, I'm just like, I love the fact that Jim Belushi gets to do <laughs> things. Yeah. And because he's really good in like what little time he has. And he even comes back at the beginning. Yeah. Or at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, he loses his neck, like the, like he loses Mayoral Race to Isaac. And then, like, maybe six, seven years later, comes back again for no other reason but just to knock another guy off the ballot. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, at the end, he's, like, he's talking to some guys, like, he gave it a good run. And it's like, well, I always say what was meant to be is meant to be. In this case, it was meant to be that I sucked enough votes away from that squirrel Shima that I finished the <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, yeah, just... God, it's just a, a a stacked deck of character actors that I have seen that I'm always happy to see, and that now I want to see more of. Like the one, the people that I wasn't already familiar with. Like I need more of all of these people. This was a masterful collection of actors. And what Simon, over what I've seen from interviews, was trying to show with this was the housing that they built is been controversial free. It's hmm. it works. The problem was it was so politically expensive. Oh yeah. And you see the political expense and the fact that, like, it's amazing who stays and who gets out yeah. based on what. And also just, like, how much nothing else is able to get done until this is done. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a, watching it from the outside is fascinating because it's one of those things where you you absolutely understand why it's a it's a, a massive quagmire to push any of this forward and from the outside you also see exactly why it shouldn't be right like it's 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 just because that's the world like it, it, we're surrounded by issues like that all the time but we don't get to be outside of them generally speaking well, like the show, the uh, miniseries also gives us moments when the way we go about giving out public health mm. or public welfare, uh, social welfare yeah. is dehumanizing. Because so, there's a scene in which they have a lottery for the people to move. God, that was painful to watch. And Isaac's uh, Nick shows up to, like, I think, to be like, hey, I'm here, look at me. Because he realizes this is going on and he's not invited. Yeah. But the longer he sits there and he notices more and more people being left behind, like the yeah. humanity of what's happening, it's like starts to weigh on them a little. Yeah, it's, just a, it's a it's a visual representation of people of like, well, these are the people who get to be left behind by the system. Yeah. And like it yeah, that, that moment hits heavy. Like we like both I believe both Kara and I had trouble watching that scene. Like it's so viscerally uncomfortable. Well and um Hagus makes sure to like just leave the camera on yeah. Isaac's face, and it's just him. Well, and also the so the woman Carmen is from the Dominican Republic, and she's from there. She can't survive, so she's like, "I'm just going to go home to the DR and bring my kids with me." She goes back to the DR, can't make ends meet. She's like, "Okay, I will leave my kids with my mom, and I will work in New York, and I will send money home, and that will take care of it." And then she does that, and her youngest son is um, non-custodially kidnapped by his father. And then she's like, I need to have at least my youngest with me. And then her oldest gets into a bit of trouble. She's like, okay, so I have to bring all my kids back. And she's sitting there holding her daughter, who's her like 10 year old daughter, who's like begging her mom for a real home. And she's trying to keep it together as they are so far. They're at number 135 on the list when there are only 70 homes built. And she just like, 
is just broken by more grind in the system. And I have never had, obviously, that experience, but anyone that's ever had that moment where all they needed was a, a half sliver of shot and you see the door get slammed in your face knows, like, that feeling of being shattered and realizing that somehow you have to keep it together. It's um, a that, terrible moment. That actress is Ilfinesh Harer. She's in Mon Billions, too. But mm-hmm. she is fantastic. Uh, but you also like in another scene because the friends end up getting yeah. a house. Yeah. And they go to visit and the daughter is like sitting in the backyard like, I don't want to go home. Yeah. Why can't I stay here? I don't think she says that, though. No, she doesn't say it. No, it's, it's, but it's, it's very, implied. very uh, felt in the moment. Yeah, it's, it was just like it's the girl sitting in a backyard that she doesn't have that she'll... Ne- like, there's... Like, it's it's a moment where her mom is like, my kid is traumatized by think- this experience, and I just had... We have to go back to the place that we live that was not designed to treat us as humans. And there's another, like, we see these, the buildings themselves are fascinating. Like, man, it's just everything about this. I, I was very engrossed by this series. Again, uh, highly recommend. But, like, the, the buildings themselves are these little, like, they're, they're these walk-up townhouses that are, like, prefabricated and then, like, put together, but but not in, like, a, when I think of prefab homes, not, not what I think of here. Right. But, uh, but, like, and so Carmen's at the end of, of, of the, the miniseries, we see that, like in the, one of the next batches of homes, like she and her family are, are selected. Uh, and we see like they, it, she immediately like takes her kids to the empty, like to the little, like just the border of the house, like of the foundation is sectioned off. And you see how small a space, the, the home that, that will like just really, it may it change like it change someone's life but but still it, it, this home that they have hoped for and that they have have suffered and cried over and and is just this little selection of space and it is everything and it is so little and it's just it's 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 it's, it's yeah I, I i run out of words uh it's it's, right. such, it's such an affecting series it is and it's also funny yeah yes it's incredibly <laughs> funny every they got charming, funny people. And again, it's not, look at these poor people, aren't they? Like, again, oh, with the, Chris, it's not like, look at these people, aren't they sad as they talk about their sadness? It's like, these people are living, I, they're living their lives. I cannot help but see this miniseries as David Simon specifically grabbing Paul Haggis by the scruff of his <laughs> neck and saying, this is the only way. Anyone could ever do a story like that garbage fire you did a decade ago. How dare you have done that, you idiot. This is the only way to do that. Make it about real people and let us spend the time to show that it's real people in real politics, which is dirty and unfair and self-involved, but living their lives anyway. And that's like if that's not what David Simon was doing, it's still what David Simon was doing. <laughs> this but, is uh, your redemption tour, son. So good because he also like the, the as you point out, the camera is just sort of like there and allows like actors to just act in a way you don't normally get to see some of these actors act. Yeah, and but like it's also uh, it's not like gritty real cam, right? Where, 
it's like in people's faces like you feel like you are a person in the room watching what's happening well because also since it does have so many characters you do have a lot of scenes in which you have large groups of people around a mm-hmm. table and you know mm-hmm. what else well, something that's, that this series in particular had to get right and i think very much did is showing lived in spaces that are too small for the people living in them oh yeah because uh, like none of the, none of that like giant uh, you know sitcom apartment BS here. You can't do that with a story like this. And so instead, we get what to me are very familiar feeling uh, spaces. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, someone who spent a lot of time in dormitories and uh, small <laughs> rental houses. Like, yeah, okay. I I think an also thing, and I don't. They did. So this movie uh, starts in the very late 80s, like 87, and ends in like the early 90s of 92 or 93. Mm. And the way they style everyone in this movie and the clothes they wear and the way it fits and their hair and stuff, it's not peak late 80s, early 90s. It's the way that people really looked on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And there's something... I'm, I'm going to make myself sound real dumb here. There is something about the film. I don't know if it's the way they processed it or the way they lit it, but it feels very nostalgic it feels like oh like this is something that was filmed in the 90s like right. i was alive it, like i'm like this there's something about the way the quality of the way this is filmed like the actual film that reminds me of something i would watch on vhs as a kid i i don't know how to explain it better than that does that make sense a little bit well it's a single camera setup which is un- a little bit unusual mm. and it's uh the sh- shot by andre uh, perikesh who also worked on the watchman series oh so not perikesh perikesh but um yeah, no, you can tell it's very, like, the way it is lit, it yes. is done so to which, I don't want to say muted, but it feels like the colors are washed out a little bit. Mm. It feels like a lot of cloudy days, but that was, like, honestly, we watched Groundhog Day not that long ago, <laughs> and this movie takes place around the exact same time period. And you can see in the way that, like, the film quality is, and things like that, like, you see that it feels like they went back and, like, okay, let's look at some movies from the late 80s early 90s and sort of um recreate some of those feelings so that way this feels like when it is without being a mm. joke mm. so there's a moment early on in the like in the third episode i think that, that sums up i think a lot of what this show is and mm-hmm. that's the judge talking to the mayor and the judge goes justice is not about popularity yeah and without missing a beat with cisco it's like no it's not but politics is yep mm. And that's the biggest problem he has in this is getting people on the side of the issue. Yeah. Also, because it also, I think it also shows what happens when you stoke an anger mm. for mm. purely political purposes. Because yes. once you stoke it, it becomes too hard to control. Yeah. And like, Jeremiah, I just don't think that's an interesting point <laughs> to be made anymore. I think like this takes place in the past. There's nothing to be said about stoking insane racial fears that blow up in your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's so amazing about, uh, I think, Molina's performance as uh, Hank Spallone, the, uh, the the guy who, who beats uh, Wasisco in the... Uh, it's, it's just like, he, he doesn't care either. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that we see him present himself is he gets to give himself this swagger and this like, ah, I will be unmoved by blow... And the inst- like one of my favorite moments in the series 
is the instant that he wins and becomes <laughs> the mayor in his acceptance speech after Wasisco is defeated, he's like, we will take this all the way to the Supreme Court and we will win. But if we don't win, of course, we'll follow whatever order they give us. End it. <laughs> and Mary is immediately like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, like the time, like he, like the he, he's just been mayor for like maybe a month or so. He's that's like his first little like council meeting, and they're like, they're like, hey, you want to get up here so we can start the uh, the meeting? It's like whatever, and it gets up. It's like, what do we have to do? Well, we got to call order, then roll call. It's like, oh my god, wake me when we get to something important. And yeah. he just puts his feet up and goes to sleep. And it's like, why did you fight so hard for this? Yeah, because all he wants to do is put his feet up and be important. And like, there's right. a there's a part of that in Nick Wasisco as well, but it's yeah. not most of him, right? Like, and, there's and it's part- like there's yeah, yeah. There's a part of him that wants, like, he really wants to do good. Hmm. And well, like, no, and there's even oh. a thing where, like, after he gets the housing done, he manages to make an uh, amendment that actually affects how power is wielded inside Yonkers. Yeah. But then he's never able to take advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wow. That is fast. It's, it, wouldn't it be a, wouldn't it be terrible if someone increased, like, the power of an executive office a lot and, <laughs> and then, like, it just went directly to the worst kind of uh, person? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Huh. I don't know. Uh, I, there's no parallels I can think Let me of. Let write that down. That might be a good idea for a completely fictional story. Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, no, there's... Uh, oh, this this is so good. Also, yes. I, I, if, I, if I may just also say that speaking of character actors that are always great to see, Judge Sands. Oh, played, Bob Balaban. Yeah, played by Bob Balaban, who's like the little guy that you definitely have seen everywhere before. <laughs> Oh, such man! Just... All right, so uh, Kea, final thoughts. I yeah. think it's very good. <laughs> That's okay, and I think that it is more appropriate than ever. And I think one of the most important things that it has to say, which I, and I don't know how intentional this was, was that the the way people talk and behave and think and act in this story that takes place in the late eighties and early nineties is what we're seeing now. Mm. And it's based on segregation. And what I think this shows us is we have never ever come as far as we thought we have. And these things are still real. And I think now more than ever is when we really need to be able to open your eyes and be like, this is racism. And that to be able to recognize what that is is a skill worth having. Mm. So I think it's relevant for today. That, I mean, I'll go for for picking at the literary reference. I think like halfway through the series, they do the title drop, uh, which is <laughs> a, a quote a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald: "Show me a hero, and I'll write you a tragedy." And I feel like part of the thing to consider from that is that you don't need heroes in the way that Nick was Cisco thought you did. Right. You need heroes uh, like the, the people who had worked together. You need heroes like Doreen who, who like 
lived a, a, a real rough life. Some of it other people's fault, some of it her own fault, but had to like get her shit together because life doesn't stop. You just keep going. Or like Mayhawk or like the, what's his name? Uh, the Newman, the guy who, who designs yeah, like all yeah. of these procedural roles that are about like just trying to make life more livable. And even like, like Mary Dorman, who we don't see confront her demons in any dramatic sense, but we know that she had like, like, she's someone who had to come through from the side that is racist to the side that uh, she may or may not be less uh, racist in her soul, but is working to make a place where people live together without like being as racist, (laughs) like (laughs) just like the, yeah. Like politics, politics on a stage versus politics in the streets, man. That's what it is. Uh, the title drop has a great moment of like the, <laughs> the guy he's talking to is like F. Scott Fitzgerald said that he was the guy I knew with Shell, the one running for state senate. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like all these people eat, live, and breathe this politics. So anything outside of that is beyond them. Yeah, uh, which destroys people. Don't right, which yeah, <laughs> it literally does. Don't uh, get don't get so nearsighted that you self destruct. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I picked this movie for one reason, because it's been a while since I've seen it. And then as I watched it, I'm like, nope, this is not why I picked it, but it's still wildly and even more relevant than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, I th- in my memory, I thought it had more to do with like just getting the bill passed. Yeah. But it's I could, so I could see that being how it sort of, uh, like without the present context, that being yeah. something that you remembered more. That makes sense. Which is, uh, which, by the way, is why it's a great idea to rewatch things. Yes. Rewatching something, rewatching, rereading. These are not wastes of time. No. Spending time with media that you have seen before can be incredibly rewarding, and anyone who says otherwise should be destroyed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love it. I own it. If that's any kind of endorsement. Um, I also really love Oscar Isaac. I have a soft spot. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he's great. Um, but also I, uh, David Simon is one of those people who very much, whenever he does anything, you know, he has like, he's doing it for a reason. Yeah. And this one was very much like, this is the problem with America. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, remember this came out in 2014. Yeah. Which is two yeah. years before, uh, actually, I don't know why I would have been. Or no, wait, 2015. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. got that wrong. That was me. One year before, I don't know, the, there was something that happened in 2016. It escapes me. But um, <laughs> I decided to bring the bit back. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, right. yeah. So that's all the time we have for now. Um, watch Show Me Heal. I think you guys will like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, it'll be a good, something to chew on to think about how we go forward. Um yeah, because maybe yeah. politics as usual, unconsidered, uh, like reaching towards some imagined middle isn't the way that you achieve anything. And uh, <laughs> maybe there are other concerns about like making life more livable for people generally. That I don't know. I mean, what's just saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, the next episode will be taking a little bit, will be a discussion episode about how we've done with the Antifa propaganda amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sort of like mm-hmm. a, an internal grade card, if it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm and discuss how we want to go on from there. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, everyone have a good day. Uh, say goodbye, Thad and Kay. Okay, but seriously, watch this. It's so good. Bye, Jeremiah. <laughs> Bye.